Hello again. My name is Michael. And I'm Grace. And welcome back to Disney Through the Ages. On this show, my husband and I are watching every animated Disney movie in order, starting with Snow White and continuing, you know, through the ages. Then, after watching each movie, we'll come here to give a review and talk about whether these old classics hold up to modern standards, as well as seeing how Disney movies have evolved over the years. Today we're watching the seventh animated Disney movie, The Three Caballeros. So this week, I want to make you go first. What are your thoughts and expectations going into this movie? Wow, just throw me under the bus, put me on the spot there, huh? Okay, yep. okay, harsh. Uh, so I, I really don't know much about this movie. I know it has a Spanish-sounding title. Uh, I know it has Donald Duck in it. And I, I know uh, I, I went on the ride at Disney World. I can't remember the name of the ride. The Grand Fiesta. The Grand Fiesta, yeah. So we, I did that. Um, so I, I remember seeing them touring around the world. And stuff. But that's more like Saludos Amigos, I would think. So I don't, I don't really know how this one fits into that. Um, I, I believe the ride's kind of supposed to be a little bit of Saludos Amigos and a little bit of this. Gotcha. Um, so I guess going into this, like I said, I don't really know much about it. So I'm kind of expecting like another similar thing to Saludos Amigos. Like I, I know I looked it up and this was the first live action or sorry, the first feature length movie to include both animation and live action. So it's kind of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit style or like Space Jam, you know, like um, animated characters interacting with the real world, it sounds like. Yeah, because like Fantasia had animation and live action, but they were very separate. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with uh, Saludos Amigos. They were animated parts and live action parts, but never the twain shall meet. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this is one we watched growing up, but we didn't watch it very much, so... I don't remember very much about it, so I am excited to rewatch it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen this movie. Um, if I have, it may have been like playing in the background at Grandma's house while we played cards or something like that, you know. But not, I, I've never sat down and watched this movie, so um, definitely interested to see how this is. Because uh, I feel like if I haven't seen it, it's probably not one of the better Disney movies. But that's not necessarily the case because I. There are some good Disney movies that I just haven't seen because they weren't family favorites. And being the youngest, I watched whatever everybody else put on. All right, so I guess uh, without further ado, we'll go watch the movie and we'll be right back. Adios. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Hasta la vista. And we're back. So, uh, first of all, do you have any preliminary thoughts about The Three Caballeros? Overall, I enjoyed it. It was a lighthearted romp into South American culture, essentially. Yeah, um, I, I liked it okay, honestly. I don't. Eh. I didn't like it as much as Saludos Amigos. I'll just go ahead and say that right, yeah, right off the bat. Yeah, same here. It felt about an hour and a half longer than Saludos Amigos, even though it was like 20 minutes longer. <laughs> yeah, the thing is with these two films and the films we're about to watch is they're all package films. Essentially, the uh, Walt Disney Animation couldn't really develop full-length feature films, so they just stitched together shorts. Yeah, because during the time, uh, this is around about when World War II was happening, and so a lot of the artists and other people that worked at Disney had been drafted into the army, and then even those who weren't drafted into the into the military, a lot of them still were drafted into the propaganda department to, to make wartime propaganda films and stuff. And so what Disney Animation Studios was left with to make these movies was a very bare-bones crew, so they just kind of were cranking out what they could to keep afloat, really. 
And I feel with this one, they tried to make a more cohesive plot around the shorts, and it fell a little flat. Yeah. Honestly, my overall thoughts of this movie was, it was basically South American Fiesta, the movie. Like, there was just lots of people dancing, lots of people singing. It felt like almost like a variety show, but there wasn't any variety. (laughs) And also too much variety at the same time, I think. In some ways, they were just bouncing back and forth between too many things. There were too many segments to try to make it cohesive. Yeah. So the, the premise of the movie is basically that Donald Duck has received a few presents in the mail for his birthday, which happens to be Friday the 13th, in case anybody cares. Uh, it'll be interesting to look up when if there was a Friday the 13th in 1944, I think, when this came out. 45. 1945, and see, like, we, we could figure out his exact birthday. Oh, you have it written on your notes. I didn't know that. Oh, he's right on my notes. <laughs> That's good to know for future reference. Um, so, yeah, anyway, uh, Donald Duck gets some presents for his birthday, and their gifts from friends in South America, and these gifts kind of magically transport him to South America into these different places in Brazil and Mexico City and things like that. Uh, And that's basically the only plot there is. Um, It's just Donald Duck being dragged around all throughout South America. Yeah, he watches a film and then he goes into a pop-up book and Mm -hmm. it's interesting. Yeah, so uh, my complaint with anything that has Donald Duck in it is that he's so hard to understand. Like, I get it, it's cute, he's like quacking, but like, I cannot understand him hardly at all. Not to mention Jose is very hard to understand. Yes, um, Jose was has just such a thick accent and he speaks in Portuguese a lot. And, and I, I know some Spanish, but I don't know any Portuguese. And so the fact that he's speaking in Portuguese so much, it's hard to tell when he's transitioned back to English for me to try to pay attention again, you know? Panchito, I think, was the easiest to understand of any of them, which very well could be because I know Spanish a lot better. I've worked with a lot of Mexican or Hispanic people over the years, and so I've gotten used to that accent. But also, it's just, he spoke much more clearly than the others. Agreed. He was definitely a lot easier to understand. Um, Now, throughout the movie, there's a whole lot of musical pieces. And I like Hispanic music a lot. And it had a good variety of, like, salsa and different kinds of Central and South American music. And I really liked the variety. There were a few songs towards the end where it started to get a little... just the, I think the movie was dragging on towards the end. I don't think it was really anything against the songs. It was just I was kind of over the movie. Yeah, the whole you belong to my heart scene, I didn't really like that as much. It was just kind of weird. And so because of what was happening, I didn't like the song as much. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed the scene with the samba like mm-hmm. and the music there. It was really cool. Honestly, I don't remember any of these songs. And we watched the movie less than an hour ago. Um, I, they, they, they're just, I mean, they're good, but they're a lot of them are in Spanish or in Portuguese. And so it's not going to stick in my brain that well anyway, if I don't understand them. But also, like like I said, some of them just kind of seem to drag on. And, and a lot of them were very good. So I don't mean that like knocking all the music. I, th- I think the fact of, like you said, the, the what was going on during the music really affected my perception of it because at the time i'm sitting there thinking man this is this is a pretty good song but it's so weird what's going on with donald over here yeah i found myself actually like really enjoying a lot of the music i'll you probably looked over and saw me like 
bobbing my head to the music, mm-hmm. kind of getting into it. But the problem is when I paid attention to the music, I didn't necessarily pay attention to what was on the screen. And when I was paying attention to what was on the screen, I wasn't necessarily paying attention to the music. Yeah, um, some of the music actually reminded me a bit of Ricky Ricardo from I Love Lucy, because, you know, he's a he's a singer. And it, it kind of had that kind of style to it, I think. But I think what stood out about this movie to me was the blend of animation and live action was superb. They did that masterfully. I was shocked at the technology that they were able to implement back then. Especially there's this scene where these girls have this like blanket and they're launching Donald up in the air and it looks so seamless. Yeah. Um, I have to assume they're like bouncing a ball up into the air or something and then like the animators were drawing over that Donald. Um, But it it looks so good. And then there are other scenes because it started out with just a lady walking down the street and kind of smiling at Donald and, and the other caballeros. Uh, and so I was wondering early on, are they really going to re- interact with the world? Or is it just going to be, you know, oh, someone's looking in the general direction of where Donald's going to be drawn in. But no, they, they ended up, Donald danced with a lady. And then there was, like you said, that scene where he was being bounced up and down in a blanket, like a like a beach ball or something. And then even uh, he gets launched way too far out of the blanket and lands in a puddle. And there's this big splash of like live action splash. It wasn't drawn in. And so like, I don't know, they did a really good job of making it feel like, wow, these animated characters actually somehow are in the real world. Yeah, this movie was the first of its kind to do that. And they did it very well. They were pushing the boundaries. And I do think it's really cool that even though this was a bare bones crew just doing what they had to keep the studio alive essentially could pull off something like that yeah although one thing i didn't like about the animation is at one point uh the soundtrack from fantasia makes a return and they don't Mm -hmm. call it the soundtrack but it's literally the same thing where when when we reviewed fantasia i complained about the fact that in the middle of the show when we're supposed to have intermission there's this weird little scene with quote-unquote the soundtrack and it's like Mm -hmm. supposed to be kind of like a visualizer of like seeing the waves and the music but it's just drawn and it's really weird. And there was a whole scene during this movie that the similar thing was happening. And Donald Duck actually got stuck inside of it. And it was like mm-hmm. being him being contorted for a while. And that was like, to me, that was the turning point of this movie where it went from, okay, this is fun. There's a little bit of educational there, but it's mostly just kind of fun. And then, okay, now it's just gone trippy and weird. Are you talking about when Jose was trying to teach him black magic? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jose's like, no, it's simple. Just a little bit of black magic and you can grow back to full size. Because Jose had hit him with a hammer and shrunk him down to be small enough to fit inside the pop-up book. It's just so weird. Uh-huh. Agreed. I feel like maybe they focus so much on the interaction of the animation and the like live action that the animation they may not have focused quite as much on. I'm not sure. Mm. I don't I don't want to overgeneralize like that, but the animation only scenes weren't quite as good. See, honestly, I don't feel that way. I think the animated scenes and everything were just fine um as far as like technically. Like they mm. they looked very good. They were done very well. I think just the lack of a story, the lack of any direction to this movie meant it just got weird. 
in a lot of ways. And so, you know, like you said, there's, there's a scene where Jose is trying to teach him black magic and he's trying to grow to full size and he's getting contorted in all these weird shapes. And then there was that other scene with the, the soundtrack like thing, but then like, then, then towards the end of the movie, uh, Donald is just chasing women all over the place and ogling and whistling at them and stuff. And it's just uncomfortable. I really had a problem with that. He was just falling in love with every South American woman he saw. And it was just like really weird. And he was chasing them on the beach. And- it felt like old school, like Benny Hill running around in circles in the yard, chasing these women. And it's like, that's not okay, man. And and isn't Donald married? <laughs> I mean, it's a lie that him and Daisy are married, which just makes it all the weirder. Yeah. And it takes you out of the suspension of disbelief, is what it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, it's funny because uh, Panchito and Jose are trying to catch up to him and, and get him to stop chasing these women around. And then, and that was another way where the animation was interacting with the real world, was, like, these women were running away from him and hiding and you know obviously they're all smiling and having a grand old time as if it's not weird but yeah it was just it was just uncomfortable and it was like a solid 20 minutes of the movie of just him chasing women around on a beach like what are you doing in in a lot of ways it felt very disrespectful of the south american culture to me as well yeah um i don't know because i I don't know how it would have been taken at the time because you know in in the 40s it would have been a lot more acceptable. Like I said, there was there was Benny Hill and Monty Python and other other people doing the same gag of, you know, this crazy love struck boy running around chasing all the women and stuff. It's like it may have been more acceptable. They, they may have just thought it was funny. And yeah, our women are beautiful. And so you should be chasing them around. I, I don't know. It's hard to say because we didn't see it in theaters when it was originally yeah. when it originally came out. Yeah. So. And we're not from Central or South America, so we can't comment on how well they portrayed the culture or anything like that but yeah like you said even without i don't know i was i was just kind of offended for these people <laughs> uh, like 80 years down the road yeah i've been to south america a few times and so i didn't appreciate that yeah and then uh so so there's that whole little bit of donald chasing women around on the beach and then immediately after uh jose and panchito show Donald, hey, look, here's Mexico City, and look into the sky of Mexico City. There's even romance in the sky. And then there's like a disembodied head of a of a female singer uh, singing this romantic-sounding song. And there's just this whole weird, trippy kaleidoscope scene with Donald and like ogling her and trying to get to her. And there's like eight of her laid out like a James Bond movie intro and and it was just it got really weird at that point it was very uncomfortable I definitely understand why I didn't take this one off the shelf very much as a kid (laughs) yeah because even even if you're a kid and you don't understand why it's weird you're still like it almost had a pink elephants on parade kind of feel of like just the the trippy stuff happening on screen like somebody was on something when they animated this agreed and that's where it ended and so then it just kind of leaves a poor taste in your mouth yeah because you know all that's going on and then there's like this one weird scene where for some reason donald is inside of a like paper mache or something bull and uh panchito is being like a um matador and taunting him and stuff so Donald's having fun and and chasing after Panchito, and then 
somebody, I can't remember if it was Jose or Panchito, lights fireworks that happen to be on Donald's bull tail. And then, like, fireworks are exploding. And there's there's a lot of slapstick at the expense of Donald, which I think is fun. I mean, I don't mind a little bit of uh, soft violence in cartoons. But it was just weird. Like, he's, like, getting exploded with fireworks and flying up in the air and stuff. And it's like, why was he in a bull costume? Last we saw him, he was in a kaleidoscope of love over here. Yeah, so honestly... um. I, I started out at the beginning of this kind of liking it, but it really trailed off for me. And I, it's not so much that I hated it or anything. I just really couldn't care less after about halfway through the movie because it just got boring and weird. Agreed. I really enjoyed the first two little shorts. And then after that, it wasn't as much fun. I really was impressed with what they did with the live action and the animation, but I didn't necessarily like enjoy. That is a fantastic way to put it. It was technically well executed. It it was impressive, but not that enjoyable. So me personally, I think I'd give it like a three out of 10. Like it, it was cool, but it's very dated and it's, there's just too much there. That's just like, I would never, watch this again i have no reason to i've seen it once i i I would much rather just go to disney world and ride the ride because it was a whole lot better and a whole lot shorter agreed i was probably thinking four out of ten just because i am really impressed with the technique but it wasn't very enjoyable so like it's it's just above fantasia in Mm. my ranking yeah exactly it'll be fantasia is last and then this one We didn't have any listener mail this week, so instead we wanted to talk about a question that we get asked rather frequently. So that question is, how are you determining which Disney movies you're watching? Animated Disney movies is a pretty broad umbrella. Yeah, and there's a lot of different lists that you can find online for animated Disney movies, because a lot of people have different definitions of what an animated Disney movie is. Even there's three or four lists on Wikipedia, so it's understandable that there would be some confusion around which list we're using. Exactly, and to be clear, we are not watching Pixar films. So Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., those ones are out. Yeah, we're not watching any of those. We're not watching any like direct-to-VHS or direct-to-DVD ones like Bambi 2. So no Bell's Enchanted Christmas Lion King one and a half, anything like that. The list that we're using is on Wikipedia. It's called List of Walt Disney Animation Studios Films. It is currently, as of Frozen 2, a list of 58 movies, and they're just the ones that were made by Walt Disney Animation Studios and released in theaters. Exactly correct. So we just wanted to clarify, since we get asked that question pretty frequently when we're describing the podcast to other people. Yeah, because, I mean, depending on how you define it, Mary Poppins could be considered a Walt Disney animated movie because it has a whole lot of animated bits in it. Um, Or even... Enchanted. Yeah, Enchanted. That's another one. So we just wanted to clarify the exact list that we're using just so that you can uh, look it up yourself if you want to keep along with us. Or, you know, we're active on Instagram, so you can message us on there if you want to link to the exact list we're using. And this week, we came up with our own question. We'd like to know which Disney parks you've been to and what's your dream Disney vacation destination? So this is actually a little bit different for each of us, just because as a kid, I went to Disneyland in California, and you've never been there, correct? Correct. Now, we've been on multiple trips to Walt Disney World in Florida together, been to all the parks, done most of the 
generic things, you know. We've, we've hit most of the essentials. There may be a few things here and there that I haven't done particularly because I've been less frequently than you have. Um, but we've made sure to hit just about all the important rides anyway. Yeah, and this past trip, we, Michael saw his very first parade, so... That was the most magical thing I've ever experienced. If you have not seen a parade on Main Street at Walt Disney World, you are missing out. Go do yourself a favor, figure out when the parades are happening, and watch one. Because it was so cool. Merida waved at me. It was great. We've done that, and we have also been blessed with the opportunity to have been to Disneyland Paris. That was also amazing um it was cool seeing the rides that they had that were similar and then the rides that were different also yeah now there's actually two parks there and we did park hop between both of them so we didn't get to do very much in either Mm -hmm. so maybe someday we'll get to go back and fully experience it was very strange to me it's a completely different culture in disneyland of paris and rides just close at like five o'clock for no reason and things are just closed for no reason at all and it's just it's kind of strange but it was it was still a fun trip we enjoyed it yeah that was interesting that we had to really rush to get to some of the rides we wanted to do before close because some of the rides closed at nightfall but it wasn't like okay the sun's down we're closed at six thirty eight. it was like they they kind of rounded to five o'clock or six o'clock or whatever they wanted to be for that ride which was kind of weird Yeah, it was near Christmas and all the Christmas lights were up, so that was really neat as well. Mm -hmm. But my dream destination would probably be Tokyo Disney. It just looks so magical, and it's got the two parks, the Disneyland and Disney Sea. Like, it's just so clever. I can't even... Even. I can't even. (laughs) Yeah, I... I've always wanted to visit Japan at some point anyway, just because I'm a huge fan of Nintendo and video games. And there's a lot of anime that I like and things, you know, I, I, I enjoy a lot of things about Japanese culture. Um, so I think it'd be amazing to go visit there anyway. So yeah, sh- uh, Tokyo is probably my number one. Also, I'd really like to visit Shanghai. And I don't know if this counts, but I would really love to do a cruise or go to the resort in Hawaii also. like, just, Honestly, I want to go to all of them at some point. Agreed. I low-key really want to go to the Hawaiian resort. It's amazing. Our best friend went semi-recently. I guess it's probably like a year ago. And she had an incredible time, and I just really want to go. Yeah, so uh, let us know your response to that. Again, we were asking, what parks have you been to, and do you have any cool experiences about that? Um, And which parks would you be most excited to go visit someday? Uh, and where can they get a hold of us? You can let us know. We are on Twitter or Instagram at Disney Ages, or you can email us, DisneyAgesPodcast at gmail.com. Songs in this podcast are by Kevin McLeod and are used under Creative Commons license. All the links to that music and the licensing information is in the show notes, so be sure to check that out if you want to hear some really cool royalty-free music that you can just download for free. It's awesome. That's all we have for you this week, so come back next week to hear us review Make Mine Music. Until next time. See ya! See ya!